European Heart Journal, Issue at a Glance, Volume 42, Issue 9, Focus Issue, Ischemic Heart Disease, by Editor-in-Chief, Professor Filippo Crea, read to you by Morgan Bryan. How Inflammation Heats the Heart This focus issue on ischemic heart disease contains the special article, The Year in Cardiovascular Medicine, 2020, Acute Coronary Syndromes and Intensive Cardiac Care authored by Borja Ibenez from the EES Fundación Jiménez Díaz University Hospital in Madrid, Spain, and colleagues. The authors note that acute coronary syndrome, or ACS, is one of the most frequent clinical presentations of cardiovascular disease. Despite improvements in primary prevention, the incidence of ACS is still very high worldwide. Advances in the diagnosis and treatment of ACS have significantly contributed to the improvement in prognosis. Timely reperfusion of ST elevation myocardial infarction or STEMI patients and invasive management of those with non-ST elevation ACS or NSTE ACS are among the greatest contributors to this progress. Adjuvant pharmacotherapy in the acute phase and maintenance treatment later on has also contributed to this success. Despite these advances, mortality and morbidity associated with ACS are still high, having an impact on individuals and healthcare systems. ACS is one of the most active basic translational and clinical research areas. In the year 2020, many studies have been published on this topic that will have an impact on the management of ACS. In addition, several other studies have improved our understanding of the pathophysiology of ACS and its consequences. In this article, the most relevant publications related to the ACS area are presented. The key pathogenetic role of inflammation in all phases of atherosclerosis is well established. Yet the role of inflammatory markers in risk prediction of major cardiovascular events remains controversial. The neutrophil lymphocyte ratio, or NLR, is a readily available inflammatory biomarker that may associate with atherosclerosis and predict cardiovascular events. In a clinical research article entitled The Neutrophil Lymphocyte Ratio and Incident Atherosclerotic Events Analyses from Five Contemporary Randomized Trials Nicholas Adamstein and colleagues from the Harvard Medical School in Boston, Massachusetts, USA sought to determine if the NLR predicts incident major adverse cardiovascular events and is modified by anti-inflammatory therapy. Baseline and on-treatment NLRs were calculated from complete blood counts among 60,087 participants randomized in the CANTOS, Jupiter, SPIRE-1, SPIRE-2 and CERT trials to receive placebo or canakinumab, rosuvastatin, bocosizumab or methotrexate respectively and followed for major adverse cardiovascular events. All analyses were performed first in CANTOS and then externally validated in the other four trials. For the five trials, hazard ratios for major cardiovascular events and mortality comparing NLR quartiles were computed using Cox proportional hazard models and the effect of each randomized intervention on the NLR was evaluated in comparison to placebo. The NLR modestly correlated with interleukin-6 C-reactive protein and fibrinogen levels, but minimally with lipids.
In all five randomized trials, baseline NLR predicted incident cardiovascular events and death. The per-quartile increase in the risk of major adverse cardiovascular events was 20% in Cantos, 31% in Spire 1, 27% in Spire 2, 9% in CERT and 11% in Jupiter, and highly significant in all trials. While lipid-lowering agents had no significant impact on the NLR, anti-inflammatory therapy with canakinumab significantly lowered the NLR. The authors conclude that the NLR, an easily obtained inflammatory biomarker, independently predicts cardiovascular risk and all-cause mortality and is reduced by interleukin-1-beta blockade with canakinumab. The manuscript is accompanied by an editorial by Wolfgang Koenig from the Deutsches Herzzentrum, München in Germany. The authors note that the intriguing findings by Adamstein et al. will motivate future basic research studies to explore the underlying biological basis of their observations. The use of long-term beta blocker, or BB, treatment following myocardial infarction, or MI, in patients with preserved ejection fraction and no other evidence of heart failure has been debated in the reperfusion era. The evidence of long-term cardiac protectivity relies on older randomized clinical trials conducted before catheter-based reperfusion was standard care and before the widespread use of statins and antiplatelet agents to reduce morbidity and mortality. Current guidelines from the European Society of Cardiology acknowledge the lack of evidence for long-term BB treatment recommending initiation of BB treatment, but points to an individual assessment regarding duration. In a clinical research article, effects of long-term beta-blocker treatment following myocardial infarction among stable, optimally treated patients without heart failure in the reperfusion era, a Danish nationwide cohort study, Anders Holt from the Herlev and Gentofte University Hospital in Copenhagen, Denmark, and colleagues, aim to investigate the long-term cardioprotective effect associated with BB treatment in stable, optimally treated MI patients without heart failure. Using nationwide registries, the authors included patients with first-time MI undergoing coronary angiography or percutaneous coronary intervention, or PCI, during admission and treated with both acetyl salicylic acid and statins post-discharge between 2003 and 2018. Patients with prior history of MI, prior BB use or any alternative indication or contraindication of BB treatment were excluded. Follow-up began three months following discharge in patients alive, free of cardiovascular or CV events or procedures. Primary outcomes were CV death, recurrent MI, and a composite outcome of CV events. Alt et al. used adjusted logistic regression and reported standardized absolute risk and differences three years after MI. Overall, about 30,000 stable, optimally treated MI patients were included. At baseline, 82% of patients were on BB treatment and 18% were not. BB treatment was associated with a similar risk of CV death recurrent MI, and the composite outcome of CV events compared with no BB treatment. 
The authors conclude that in this nationwide cohort study of stable, optimally treated MI patients without heart failure, they found no long-term effect of BB treatment on cardiovascular prognosis following the patients from three months to three years after MI admission. The manuscript is accompanied by an editorial by Paul Armstrong and Sean Van Diepen from the University of Alberta in Edmonton, Canada. The authors note that Holt and colleagues have leveraged Denmark's high-quality population health dataset to contribute to the clinical uncertainty of routine beta-blocker use in low-risk post-MI patients. In doing so, they underscore the legitimate current debate and amplify the need for more robust evidence. Beta-blockers have long anchored secondary prevention therapy post-MI, but after decades of advances in ancillary pharmacotherapeutics, reperfusion therapies and systems of care, the risk profile of this patient population has been dramatically reduced. It is surely time to lift our anchor and chart a new course to a better and more enlightened harbour. While most patients with MI have underlying coronary atherosclerosis, not all patients with coronary artery disease or CAD develop MI, perhaps also because atherosclerotic plaques may spontaneously heal without causing an ACS. In a clinical research article entitled Genome-Wide Analysis Identifies Novel Susceptibility Loci for Myocardial Infarction, Uman Alei from the University of Southern California Keck School of Medicine in Los Angeles, California, USA, and colleagues sought to address the hypothesis that some of the genetic factors which establish atherosclerosis may be distinct from those that predispose to vulnerable plaques and thrombus formation. The authors carried out a genome-wide association study for MI in the UK Biobank, N approximately 472,000, followed by a meta-analysis with summary statistics from the Cardiogram C4D Consortium, N approximately 167,000. Multiple independent replication analyses and functional approaches were used to prioritise loci and evaluate positional candidate genes. Eight novel regions were identified for MI at the genome-wide significance level, of which effect sizes at six loci were more robust for MI than CAD without the presence of MI. Confirmatory evidence for association of a locus on chromosome 1P21.3, harbouring choline-like transporter 3, or SLC44A3, with MI in the context of CAD, but not with coronary atherosclerosis itself, was obtained in Biobank Japan, N approximately 165,000, and 16 independent angiography-based cohorts, N approximately 27,000. Follow-up analyses did not reveal association of the SLC44A3 locus with CAD risk factors, biomarkers of coagulation, other thrombotic diseases, or plasma levels of a broad array of metabolites, including choline, trimethylamine N-oxide, and betaine. However, aortic expression of SLC44A3 was increased in carriers of the MI risk allele at chromosome 1P21.3, increased in ischemic versus non-diseased coronary arteries, upregulated in human aortic endothelial cells treated with interleukin-1 beta versus vehicle, and associated with smooth muscle cell migration in vitro.
The authors concluded that a large-scale analysis comprising 831,000 subjects revealed novel genetic determinants of MI and implicated SLC44A3 in the pathophysiology of vulnerable plaques. The manuscript is accompanied by an editorial by Jeanette Erdmann from the University of Lübeck in Germany and colleagues. They note that the authors convincingly present six genetic risk loci that show stronger effect sizes for MI than for CAD. They also highlight the notion that it is abundantly clear that translation from GWAS loci to putative biological mechanisms, causal gene networks and therapeutic targets is difficult, to say the least. A one-bioinformatics pipeline-fits-all solution is unlikely to help us move forward. Rather, future studies aimed at precision phenotyping in concert with functional studies will be key to disentangling the underlying pathomechanisms of atherosclerotic disease loci. They conclude that this study is a firm reminder that we have a plethora of datasets at our disposal and that we should be confident that through team science we will answer some complex questions about the development of disease for the benefits of patients. MI greatly increases, for years, the risk of recurrent cardiovascular events. This clinical observation is supported by the mechanistic observation that MI accelerates atherosclerosis. In a translational research article entitled Alarm-inactivated B-cells accelerate murine atherosclerosis after myocardial infarction via plasma cell immunoglobulin-dependent mechanisms. Tin Kua from the Baker Heart and Diabetes Institute in Melbourne, Australia and colleagues investigated the role of B-cells in adaptive immune responses to MI because B-cell-derived autoantibodies produced in response to MI also persist for years. The authors used an apolipoprotein E deficient or APOE knockout mouse model of MI-accelerated atherosclerosis to assess the importance of B-cells. In loss-of-function experiments, after inducing an MI, they depleted B-cells using an anti-CD20 antibody. This treatment prevented immunoglobulin G accumulation in plaques and the MI-induced acceleration of atherosclerosis. Gain-of-function experiments involving transfer of purified spleen B cells from mice one week after MI into atherosclerotic APOE knockout mice greatly increased immunoglobulin G accumulation in plaque and accelerated atherosclerosis. Cytokines that promoted humoral immunity were also greatly increased in B cells activated by MI. These cells formed germinal centres within the spleen where they differentiated into antibody-producing plasma cells. Deleting BLIMP1 from B cells, the transcriptional regulator that drives their terminal differentiation into antibody-producing plasma cells, prevented MI-accelerated atherosclerosis. Alarmins released from infarcted hearts were responsible for activation of B cells via toll-like receptors. Deleting MyD88, the canical adapter protein for inflammatory signaling downstream of toll-like receptors, prevented B-cell activation and acceleration of atherosclerosis. Kua and colleagues conclude that data implicate early B-cell activation and autoantibodies as a central cause of accelerated atherosclerosis post-MI, 
and identifies novel therapeutic strategies towards preventing recurrent cardiovascular events such as MI and stroke. The manuscript is accompanied by an editorial by Claudia Monaco and Jennifer Cole from the University of Oxford in the United Kingdom. The authors conclude that the possibility of immune memory is a fascinating new hypothesis that makes CV immunology more intriguing than ever, and one hopes that it will spark more verification of these mechanisms in human CVD. The issue is also complemented by two discussion forum manuscripts linked to one and the same paper. In a contribution entitled, Women experiencing myocardial infarction at a young age have worse outcomes compared with men, only for non-cardiovascular deaths and when treated inadequately, Sudipto Chattopadhyay from the Milton Keynes University Hospital comment on the recent publication entitled Women who experience a myocardial infarction at a young age have worse outcomes compared with men, the Mass General Brigham Young MI Registry, by Ocilia de Filippis from the Harvard Medical School and colleagues. In another contribution entitled Women who experience a myocardial infarction at a young age, Mikhail Kolb from the University of Basel and colleagues comment on the same article. The editors hope that this issue of the European Heart Journal will find the interest of its listeners.